ARE Study Guide Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ARE Study Guide Podcast. In this very short episode, we are just going to talk about the requirements for becoming a licensed architect. So right now, if you are listening to this, you are likely studying for your architectural registration exams, and you are not yet licensed. Title acts set the rules for when you're allowed to call yourself an architect. The ability to call yourself an architect is going to vary based on your jurisdiction, but in general, you are not allowed to call yourself an architect, architectural designer, or architectural intern unless you are licensed. And that seems really weird that you cannot call yourself an architectural or architecture intern unless you're licensed, but basically you're never allowed to say that you're an architect in any way until you're licensed. So I just took my California supplemental exam, and when I was studying for that, I learned something different. Again, this was for California, so I don't know if this applies to your jurisdiction. But I always thought that this rule about not calling yourself an architect meant under no circumstances are you ever allowed to. And I believe you actually are when you're talking to people such as your friends and family anyone that's not a potential client or employer, you can say you're an architectural designer. You just can't use that title to try to win work or employment. So you can't mislead people to think that you have credentials in which you don't have. But if you're just talking, describing the type of work you do, you are allowed to say it. And that's just a small thing. I just did actually acquire my license. But until I learned that, like for the past several years, I would always stop people when they would say, oh, Lindsay's an architect. I would say, no, no, you can't say that. And I guess technically you're not going to get in trouble because in those circumstances, you know, you're just meeting someone. You're not trying to win work. If you ever were to later work for that person, you would have to clarify and say you are not an architect. I hope that makes sense. It's a silly thing. Obviously, you will not get tested on that if you were to ever get tested the answer is no, you cannot call yourself an architect until you're licensed. So that's a title act. So the title of being an architect. A practice act sets the rules about practicing architecture. And to have an architectural practice, you need to be a licensed architect. A couple terms that, again, you're probably not going to get tested on, but just interesting. The term holding out is when someone says they're an architect, but you're not licensed in the state that you are talking about doing a project or working with a potential client. So that's called holding out. So I just got licensed in California only and say I wanted to take on a project in Florida and I was talking to a potential client um, and I said, I'm an architect, but I'm not licensed in Florida. That's called holding out. Fishing license is when an architect pursues a project in a different state and you may get a temporary license with that state until you get the project and then you'll follow the, I hope I can say this word right, reciprocity. I think that's how you say that. Sorry uh, for stumbling on that word. But before you get reciprocity, 
which is getting licensed in a different jurisdiction. So again, I'm licensed in California. If I wanted to get licensed in Florida, that process is called reciprocity. But in the meantime, say I'm talking to a client over in Florida and I don't want to pay the money and do the process. I think it's relatively simple, but nonetheless, if I don't want to go to that trouble yet, I can get a fishing license, which is a temporary license with the state of Florida until I win the project. Once you get your architecture license, you will need to renew it. Depending on the jurisdiction, the renewal period may be every year, every two years, or every three years. Some jurisdictions don't have any grace periods, meaning if you don't renew the license before your deadline, you may need to complete the licensing process again. I don't know which jurisdictions those are, but that sounds crazy. For some of you, you may just need to take the six ARES and you can apply for your license. In California, you need to take an extra test. And when you study for that other test, you learn all the specific rules about California. But if your jurisdiction doesn't have that kind of test requirement, you should definitely look at what those requirements are for your jurisdiction because this idea that if you don't renew before your deadline, you're going to have to complete the whole process again, that's terrifying. So you need to be aware of that kind of stuff. So do your research and learn all about your jurisdiction ahead of time. Mandatory continuing education is a requirement for most jurisdictions. And this requirement is just that architects freshen up their knowledge to renew, when they renew their license. So in California, we renew our licenses every two years and you have to do continuing education on accessibility requirements and starting this year, uh, net zero requirements, which I think is really cool. So when you go to renew your license, you will have to do continuing education more than likely based on your jurisdiction. And you're going to want to make sure you do that well ahead of time you don't want to scramble to try to find where to get those credits or even have to deal with, you know, the paperwork of them being processed in time. So get your credits ahead of time, hopefully even just throughout the year. If you want to be a member of the AIA, that's completely separate and optional, but to have the ability to call yourself, in my case, Lindsay Dunn AIA, you have to do additional continuing education credits. I believe it's 18 units per year, plus pay a ton of money. <laughs> so something about being a licensed architect that hopefully this won't affect any of us, but uh, something to be aware of, there are certain felony charges that will prevent you from getting your license. And one of them is not paying child support. So, I mean, come on, guys, you should be paying your child support. But there's other things, too, certain crimes that will prevent you from initially acquiring your license or even being able to renew it. So just make sure to be good. And, um, again, these are things that you should look into if they apply to you before you go to register initially. You don't want to be surprised. So if you work without a license, what are the consequences? More than likely, you are not legally eligible 
to have any recourse for collecting fees because when you are licensed, there are requirements for how your contract is going to be set up. And if you are unlicensed, I assume you don't have those same protections that a licensed architect has. I pulled that bit of information from the Architect's Handbook of Professional Practice. It was a while ago that I read this, so I don't actually remember if they go into more details about why you wouldn't have the ability to collect fees. But I assume it's something about the contract documents that when you're a licensed architect, you use a specific format for your contracts. And if you're not working with a license, you are not likely using that format. And then if you call yourself an architect and you are not, there are fines that may be imposed on you and a ton of embarrassment because you will be listed on the naughty list. I think it's, gosh, sorry, I don't remember. I feel like the NCARB, NCARB has a list. Um, I know that the state will have a list of people who broke the rules, and I think NCARB does too. When does a project not require a licensed architect? It will vary by the jurisdiction, but typically it's for buildings that are non-occupiable, such as sheds or agricultural buildings, and then residential buildings of limited size or occupants and construction cost. In California, it's residential buildings that are under two stories, wood-framed, I think duplex, or no, four units. You're allowed four units. I have to look into that again. Sorry, guys. Uh, Minor tangent. I am currently 38 weeks pregnant, and I'm trying to get all these episodes out, as many as I can, before I have this baby. So sorry if I'm a little scatterbrained. I'm trying to do my best to help you guys out and get this content out there. So once you are licensed and you have an active NCARB certificate, you can add NCARB after your name. And this NCARB certificate was new to me, and I think it might be a new thing in general. Maybe not, uh, but it's definitely new to me, and when I went on their website, it looked like a new program. So an NCARB certificate has a process. Look into it. I'm not going to misquote the requirements for getting this NCARB certificate, but it's pretty cool, and it helps the reciprocity. I hope I said that word right. It helps that process be more seamless and easier, and if you get the NCARB certificate, you can add NCARB after your name. And then if you want to add AIA after your name, once you're licensed, you have to join the American Institute of Architects. Just one last thing before we wrap this episode up. Using the architect stamp. So when you stamp a drawing once you're licensed, that is synonymous to the architect saying that they were in responsible control of the drawings throughout the development of the drawings. That's really important. Your stamp means that you are saying, I was in responsible control. So you are assuming liability for these drawings. So if an architect only reviews a set of drawings that were prepared by someone else after they were developed, that means that you didn't have responsible control of those drawings and you should not stamp them. So if someone else develops drawings and they say, oh, will you stamp my drawings? The answer is no. Do not do that. You do not want to be liable for their work, and it's also illegal because you were not in responsible control. So don't lie about that. 
that's just a little bit of information. This is for the practice management exam. They say objective 1.1 is about the licensure process, and I think that's really all that you should need to know about that for the exam. And again, look into the requirements of your specific jurisdiction, especially if you don't have a separate test for your jurisdiction once you're done. You're going to want to look into those requirements and rules about being an architect. You want to know those things in advance so you don't get blindsided when you go to apply. Until next time, see you guys on the other side. Bye.